Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today on Be Brave at Work. Donna Hicks is an associate at the Weatherhead Center for International Affairs at Harvard University. As a conflict resolution specialist, Donna has facilitated diplomatic efforts in the Middle East and other high conflict regions such as Sri Lanka and Northern Ireland, and has conducted numerous training seminars worldwide. She is the author of two books on our topic today, Dignity. Her first book is called Dignity, The Essential Role It Plays in Resolving Conflict. And her second book, which I have read, is called Leading with Dignity, How to Create a Culture That Brings Out the Best in People. We are so thrilled to have you on our podcast today. Welcome, Donna. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Adam. Really pleased to be here. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit about your work history and what type of work you do today to interact in the marketplace. Well, my work uh, history um, is rather unusual for the work that I'm doing now. Um, For years, a couple of decades, um, I've been working as an international conflict resolution professional, convening dialogues for um, parties in conflict all over the world, like you said, started out in Israel, and um, did a big project in Sri Lanka, another one in, as you said, Northern Ireland, Colombia, did U.S.-Cuba dialogues. And while I was conducting those dialogues, uh, it was clear to me that the people who engaged, the negotiators on both sides, the participants, they were so committed to finding peace They wanted it more than anything. And yet, Ed, they were not able to sign on to an agreement. They would be discussing the political issues that divided them. And all of a sudden, there would be this outburst from someone. And the person would get really upset. And and I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. We've got to stop this conversation. What just happened? You know, what was that emotional outburst for? And so I, in, in the beginning, I just kind of watched these, these, um, these reactions. But then once I started seeing them over and over again, I said to myself, hey, we're having two conversations here at the table. We're having one about the politics and the political issues that divide them. 
But there's another conversation taking place under the table. And it is a purely emotional event. It is all about, you know, it's like managing a, 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 an emotional hurricane under, under that table, those tables. And so I kept observing this and I'm thinking, all right, we're not doing our job if we don't address those, those, those outbursts. And I remember at one point saying to, uh, to uh, the people sitting at the table, you know, uh, geez, that was just really an emotional reaction. Can we please discuss it? Can we have a conversation about what just happened? And the people, they would say to me, both sides, they would say to me, emotions? This isn't about emotions. This is about justice. This is about politics. This is about being, you know, okay. So I said, oh, sorry, you know, we're not going to talk about emotions. We're not going to do that. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just because they're so emotionally traumatized. Maybe we should talk about the trauma. Maybe that word would do, would work better. Oh, well, I brought that word up once and um, the people said exactly the same thing. Trauma? We are not traumatized. We are just being treated, you know, unfairly. We've got injustice. We've... I said, okay. Honestly, this happened. And this was all over the world, the, these, these same reactions. And then I finally one day said to myself, you know, if I were to put words to that conversation that's taking place under the table, those emotional upheavals, it would sound something like, how dare you treat us this way? Can't you see we're human beings? Can't you see we're suffering and you're doing nothing about it? And so, and then it occurred to me, this was about their dignity. Uh-oh, am I freezing? Oh, okay. This was about their dignity. And that word, Ed, came to me like in a flash of enlightenment. This is about their dignity, about being treated as if they don't matter. They're not even human beings. So I, uh, I experimented one day and decided to ask the people sitting at, the, this was in Colombia. I decided to ask them, look, you know, I can see that the relationship has broken down severely here in, in this in this room. Would you all be willing to have to start our conversation today about ways in which you feel your dignity has been assaulted by this conflict? Well, not only did they agree, every single hand went up and said, yeah, we'll talk about our dignity. We'll talk about not only our dignity, but the dignity of our ancestors. Okay, so bingo, got the word right this time. And so from that moment on, Ed, I realized that, you know, the parties just needed to talk about that underlying human reaction to being treated as if you don't matter, as if you're, you know, less than, as if you're inferior. And so that's how the whole thing started. And I wrote that first book that you, you mentioned, the conflict book. And once it was published, it came out um, in 2011. What, after it was published, I thought, oh, my conflict resolution community will be, you know, it'll be great. They'll be able to, I can share this, this what I thought was a missing link in our understanding of conflict. But I got calls from the corporate world, from healthcare from organizations of all kinds, education, uh, faith communities, Ed. Um, and and they, they all said to me, you have nailed our problem. And it's a workplace problem. They said, this is a workplace problem 
where people, when they're not treated well, when they, their dignity is being violated, they just, you know, they just close down. They, they're miserable and they're, you know, unwilling to give discretionary energy. They don't want to, you know, they're not engaged. And so that's how that whole thing happened, much to my surprise. So, so now to answer your question, what am I doing at this moment? Um, I mean, I'm still working internationally. In fact, I'm going to Rome next week to do some work with, uh, in, in, in Africa with some colleagues. But um, organizations of all kinds have, have asked me to come into their, into their workplace and figure out what the problems are. And using this framework of dignity, I don't know, Ed, there's something magical about that word because people open up. When I say, hey, look, I understand what happened between you and your boss the other day. To me, it feels like you had your dignity violated. And I give them very specific ways in which that happens. And they say, it's almost like they sit up straight and they say, yeah, that's what happened to me. So it, it, go figure, you know, I didn't expect it, certainly. Well, there are a ton of topics that we can talk about today, Donna, associated with what you have just said. And, you know, I think it would be almost disrespectful at the moment not to reflect on the fact that as you turn on the news today and hear from civilians in Ukraine, that's exactly what they're saying. Don't they see what they're doing? Don't they see whom they're hurting? There's almost like there's a technical side, which are buildings that are getting blown up or armaments that they're using. But what you hear more of, you know, you visually see that, but what you hear more of is, don't they see who they're hurting? You know, don't they see who is being impacted by this behavior? Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And it's so obvious. I mean, from my point of view, anyway, it's so blatant that there is no regard for dignity um, on the part of the uh, Russian, you know, actors. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's so hard. I mean, you and I were talking about earlier how painful it is to, to be living here uh, in this part of the world where we're okay and knowing that people just like us, people are suffering terribly, children, women and children and old people. It's, it's just so hard to it's so hard to go on with our daily lives knowing that this kind of massive indignity is happening um, in Europe, of all places. Well, tell us a little bit, Donna, about this observation you have of the technical side versus the emotional side, because it seems like the emotional side is what gets people animated or argumentative, where the technical side is more law-based or uh, expectation-based. And it sounds as though this happened naturally for you as you were working with these client groups and seeing that there was a difference, perhaps, or a segmentation between the technical side and the emotional side. Can you reflect and tell us a little bit more about that experience? So you mean in the workplace now, right? Yes, sure. The workplace, yes. Well, so so technically, the leaders with whom I worked were, you know, they were they had all the right credentials and they went to the right schools, got the right degrees, and had the right experience, and um, you know, they're they're good people. Ed, they're not bad people, but they just were not um, trained to think about the impact of their actions on other people. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. There was nowhere in their education that they learned about 
how, you know, how people are treated uh, and what, how that affects the relationships between management and, and employees or leadership and employees. It's just not something that's in, in the course curricula in, in any business school. It is now, by the way. Fordham University, by the way, is doing, my colleague there is doing an amazing job creating curriculum for, curricula for uh, business school, for, for master's programs, MBA programs. But at the time, you know, it, it just wasn't prioritized. The, what was prioritized was increasing shareholder profit and all, like you said, all the technical skills that were necessary in order to make that happen. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and so once I was hired to shed light on this other piece, you know, the impact of your actions on other people, and in particular on your employees, in this case, in the workplace, it was like the lights went on, you know, it was darkness. And then the lights went on and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe, um, you know, I have, I haven't been aware of this. And again, I mean, what I've done Ed, in my work is I've made very, very clear and explicit what it looks like to violate somebody's dignity, what it looks like to honor somebody's dignity. So it's not just guesswork, what, what we're, we're talking about. I go through all of these, I have something called the 10 elements of dignity. And once they, the, once they internalize it and they put it into practice, you know, they come back to me and they say, you know, they say this should be taught. This should be as important as any, you know, business objectives in the in the workplace, in the leadership repertoire. This should be at the top of the list. Because what my colleagues, my, Michael Pearson from, you might want to interview him someday. Uh, what Michael talks about uh, in the research that they've done at, at Fordham and other, other organizations, other places as well, is they found out that when people feel like their dignity is being honored in the workplace, several things happen. Number one, the employees are engaged. The employee engagement numbers go way up. Productivity goes up. Um, willingness to give discretionary energy grows, goes up. Um, of course, job retention. People want to stay in jobs where they are treated well. Uh, and, you know, now there's so much flux and everybody's trying to get the best talent. And so, and finally, finally, profits increase when people inside feel like they're being treated with dignity. So according to, it's called the Humanistic Management uh, Network. This, these are these people in the business communities who are really championing this idea of developing a whole new paradigm for business where human dignity is at the core. Um, yeah, they're, they're just doing more and more research and, and showing that when the leadership is engaged in, with this dignity consciousness, I call it dignity consciousness, when they have that, amazing things happen. Not only do the people flourish inside, inside the organization, but the Companies flourish, you know, so it's and all the way down the supply chain, people are affected. So it's just one of these things that, um, you know, leaders say to me, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd known this 20 years ago. Well, I have said to clients for quite some time that 
uh, two things. One, we never learned these behaviors, as you said, in our educational experience. So in junior high school or high school and college, we never took classes on bravery. We never took conflict uh, classes on conflict navigation, delegation, right? And these are all the areas that people uh, look at when they're working uh, as feedback for their boss as things that they could be doing a little bit differently. And they, they don't, right? Because we have not trained and have not taught them to do that. And then it sounds like fantastic work that they're doing at Fordham because if they are seeing now that these, what I, what others call softer skills, but what I believe have been mislabeled and are really harder skills, and they're hard. uh, they are hard. That's why we have to train people on how to show empathy and be a good listener and demonstrate dignity to others that any organization that honors and focuses on those skills you know, the statistics of them being more successful must be there. Because if I had an organization where people were more engaged, more productive, more focused on helping us do what we need to do, treated customers with respect and care, the likelihood of us being successful is greater. You've got it. It's and, and it's it's so simple. You know, we're not talking about any complex algorithm here. We're talking about something that is well, has been missing, just as you pointed out, in our educational system, which now, fortunately, it's we're changing that. Uh, as we speak, we're changing that. Um, but the, uh, the impact, the impact of this is, I mean, I don't think we've even begun to see the impact, to tell you the truth. I mean, we have, no, we haven't. No, it's, it's just, just beginning. Yeah, I, I talk to clients all the time about these behaviors, and I would say at 99% of the organization, these are new behaviors. Uh, these are uh, different behaviors than what they have done in the past. Some of them still consider them to be soft skills. So I tell people all the time that empathy is a strategic behavior. It is not some kind of soft skill that you do on a nice, shiny, sunny day, but it's something that you demonstrate when appropriate. And for them, it's new and shocking. We're going to pause in our conversation with Donna Hicks and ask that you join us for our next session of Be Brave at Work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800 800- 222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.